ahead and jump right in. We're in uh, week three of our Book of Revelation study that we've entitled, What Must Soon Take Place?, uh, today we're going to be looking at kind of the timeline. We're going to be, uh, you know, I, I come from a long line or a long line of teachers. And, um, and so uh, my mom's a teacher, my brother and sisters are teachers. I'm the only one that was the black sheep of the family. And, um, but today is going to be a little more of a teaching kind of a situation. We're going to really look at these things. Now, just so you know, going into this, we're not going to dive deep, deep, deep into some of these things. Um, we're really going to kind of hit the major highlights. We'll talk about a little things that are going on. But my hope is, in, in a lot of ways, that a lot of this kind of whets your appetite for more. And uh, when, you, when you're ready for more... Come talk to me. I can give you some, some things that we could talk about or some, some uh, guides that I could help you look at, so, a little bit more about this stuff. But for what we're doing in this series and kind of what we're doing today, we're going to just kind of hit some of the major things that are coming because I want you to be aware. I want you to know. And as we talked about the first week, as we look at these things, we have to remember those that, that hear, those that study, those that listen and read the book of Revelation, they're blessed because they understand what's coming. They understand that uh, we win, we understand that we can be excited about all these things, we don't have to be nervous or scared, but we can understand them and really uh, really allow those things to, to be an encouragement to us and bring hope. So we are going to be looking at one text in Revelation 1.8, we did talk about this at the very beginning. Um, and it should be up there on the screen. There it is. This is kind of our text for this morning. And really, in a lot of ways, you could look at this as this is kind of the theme of the entire book. This is really the theme of Revelation that we can look at. And so it is a, a verse of hope. It's a verse that we need to remember whenever we're looking at these things or whenever we're going through a, even a difficult time. And this is what it says in Revelation 1.8. It says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and is still to come, the Almighty One. We need to remember that that's who our God is. He's, he's not just the God of yesterday. He's not just the God of today. He's not just the God of tomorrow. He is literally the God of all those things. He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He really is a, a God that we can trust and know that no matter what we have faced in our past or what we've gone through in our past, no matter what we're going through right now or what we'll go through in the future, that He is all-powerful, He is all mighty. He's got us. We win because he wins and we need to understand that. This is being your notes this morning. So check this out. And we need to remember this, especially uh, right now in a lot of ways with some of the things that are going on. We need to remember this. God is in control of your past, your present and your future. So put all of your hope in him. All of your hope in him. In a lot of the situations that we're facing, a lot of the situations even before all these things came up, we sometimes, unfortunately, we put our hope in other things and him. But instead, we need to understand who holds our past, our present, and our future. It's God. We need to put all of our hope in him, knowing that he's got us, knowing that he's almighty, knowing that his plan is going to take place, his purposes are going to happen, and, are, and he's for us, and he's good. He's got good plans for us. So we're going we're gonna to break down the timeline this morning. We're going to look at these things that the book of Revelation shares with us. Obviously, as well, we're going to be using some other scriptures that talk about these things um, to kind of give us a little more clarity about them. But uh, on, your, on the screen, you're going to basically see a timeline, okay? And, and we're going to kind of go through this timeline very, very quickly, okay? And then we're going to kind of 
hit each one more specifically, okay? But I kind of want to start off by giving you a timeline. And uh, I, was, I was talking to, to Linda this, uh, this week about this timeline and getting it put together. And, and John Gardner helped us and put this together for us and looks really great. And, and I was like, well, maybe we should have a, a separate little sheet and, and people can take those things with them. And, and, and really, I, I kind of showed my age a little bit because a lot of people, you know, they don't keep the paper around. So if you want, she mentioned this because she's brilliant and I'm not. Uh, she said, well, you know, people could just take a picture of the screen. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Linda. Yeah. Linda, Linda ever, about once a week makes me feel dumb, you know, and not because she's trying to. I'm teasing. She, she's just wonderful. So, so if you're interested, you can take a picture of the screen uh, so you kind of know what's going on. Now, again, these are the major highlights, okay, major stuff. So we're going to kind of look at these. But, but as you see over here to, uh, to your, your left, my right, um, we have the cross. That obviously symbolizes the death resurrection of Jesus, okay? So obviously we could have gone further back and Adam and Eve and, and Jesus is coming the first time and all those sort of things. But we really started there. Where we're at right now, if you want to go, Aaron, where are we today? We're right here in the church age, okay? Now, here's what's interesting about where we're at. We don't know how close we are to that very first line that goes up, Okay? We don't know where we are. All we know is that we're in the church age. Now, here's what's interesting about it. The church age could end today. The church age could end tomorrow. The church age could end in 500 years from now. We don't know when the church age is going to end. But we do know the church age will end. Okay? And see on our graph here, or on our timeline, you see the rapture. The rapture, we're going to talk about in more detail in a minute, takes place. And as we are up in heaven, uh, in this situation, we're going to see a great tribulation period take place here on earth. Again, we're going to get more detail in a second, but I just want to get you this idea. Then we actually see the second coming of Jesus. Okay? At the end of that seven-year period. We see the second coming of Jesus at that point in time. And let me, let me help you with something because I, I find this happens I, uh, with a lot of people at times. There is a difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus. Okay? If this will help you, okay, remember when Jesus ascended into heaven? Okay? And I, I love that story because of just the humanity and the funniness of that story. Because in, in that story, Jesus, he basically just lifts off into heaven. And the Bible says that he goes up until basically clouds uh, kind of, you can't see him anymore. And here's these guys, and they're just staring up in the sky, and they're going, okay, what? And an angel actually comes down, and he basically says, and this is kind of our 2020 version, he's like, what are you doing staring up in the sky? He says, the same Jesus that you saw go up like that will also return in like manner. The angel was not talking about the rapture of the church. He was talking about the second coming. Okay? If this will also help you, rapture, we meet Jesus in the air. Second coming, we come back with Jesus and hit the ground. Okay? So that's the second coming is going to take place. And then we're going to get into what's called the millennial reign of Christ. Okay, this is a millennial reign. It takes a thousand years. Again, we'll get more to it in a second. And then after that, at the end of that a thousand years, we're going to see some judgments take place. We're going to see actually Satan loosed again. Again, we'll talk about this in a second. But then after that period is over, then we get into kind of what we consider to be eternity. Okay, so that is the major points or the major events that are going to take place as we move into the book of Revelation. Now we're going to take a, take a moment and really look at each of these as individual 
things and kind of get a little bit more in depth. Again, if you have questions, write them down. We can look at these things um, because I'm not going to have time to hit every little thing about them. But if you have questions, write them down or email me. We can talk about these things. And and I I really think it's important that we understand these things. But before we kind of really break into these, let's pray. Father, I love you and I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for the opportunity uh, for the individuals that are here and the people that are online that we could come together and look at these things and understand these things so that we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live going, what's going to happen? What's coming next? Instead, we can put our hope and our trust in you, knowing that you've got us, your plans are good, and at the end, we win because you win. So God, help us as we look at these things. Help me to share these things with clarity and understanding. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, obviously right now we're in the church age, but let's talk about what really ends the church age, which is the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church. We have several scriptures that talk about that. And one of the, we're going to kind of hit the ones that are a little bit more, um, I don't know if famous is the right word, but a little more um, people think of this when they think about these things. Now, just so you know, the word rapture does not appear in scripture. Rapture is a term that we use to, to, it really means the catching away, and it's the term that we've used to describe this event so that we can understand it a little bit more, and so people know what we're talking about, okay? So if you go home and start looking through your Bible, where does the rapture take place, or you Google um, rapture in the Bible, the word does not appear, okay? So just so you know. But Paul really begins to talk about this in, in his letters, and one of the most famous of it is 1 Thessalonians 4. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, it says this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds. And this is important again. This helps us understand this is a different event. Then the second coming, to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time you encouraged each other with the understanding that, you know what? In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we're going to be with Jesus and all this stuff is going to be done. All this stuff, all the heartache, and we're going to talk about all this more later on. All the heartache, all the tears, all the hurt, all those things are going to be done for us. That is an encouraging thing. That is a hopeful thing. That is something that in a lot of ways, and you go, well, that's a little extreme. Well, maybe it is or maybe it isn't. But it's an amazing thing to remember that, you know what? Jesus is going to come back and he's going to get his bride, which is the church, which is us. And it's going to be awesome and it's going to be amazing we see a little bit more detail in first corinthians 15 in first corinthians 15 starting with verse 51 this is what it says but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret we will not all die but we will all be transformed i want you to do something really quickly because i am starting to realize this more and more and more okay i want you to look at your hands everybody look at your hands okay i have begun to realize something and maybe i'm the only one Okay, and, and, and I'm assuming probably right now mom and dad are watching this, so dad, I'm sorry, but just go with me, okay? I'm starting to realize something. I have my father's hands. Isn't that terrible? It's just like as I'm getting older, I'm getting my dad, I, like my hands look like my dad's hands. 
And I'm assuming the older I get, the more my hands are going to look like dad's. And there's not a problem, okay? But it's just, it's showing that, that this stuff is getting older. This stuff is, is getting transformed into something older. But you know what? When Jesus comes back and he gets us, we're going to be transformed again. And it's going to be an awesome transformation. Okay? It's going to be something to be excited about. And this is what it says. is that It will happen in a moment. In the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies, that's us, must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Uh, Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. And this is a beautiful scripture. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death Where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? So in this, we see a couple of things that we need to understand, okay? First, the rapture of the church is going to happen, okay? Now, listen to me and hear me on this. I know that that getting into this, we could get into a lot of things as far as when this event on the timeline is going to take place, okay? And I know there's a lot of, of disagreement in the church and with some really, really amazing, smart people, okay? Now, here's the thing I want to help you understand, okay? Jesus is coming back, okay? And this has kind of been my thought. I have my views on it. I believe scripturally that we see a a, a rapture that takes place before the seven-year tribulation, okay? But I've also talked to people that believe it'll take place in the middle of the tribulation or at the end of the tribulation. Look, here's, I think, what we need to remember, okay? I think we need to, first of all, stand on what we agree on, and that is Jesus is coming back for his church, and we need to be ready, okay? Let's not get tied up into the, the, the win to miss the fact of what's happening and what's going to happen. And also to make sure that we get as many people ready to go with us when that day happens. Here's what I've often said when it comes to this discussion, okay? Some of us are going to be right. Some of us are going to be wrong. And when Jesus comes back and takes us, nobody's going to care who's right and who's wrong. Okay, let's, 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 let's find some, unfortunately in the church, we find a lot of things we disagree on and we focus on them. Let's focus on what we agree on. Okay, but for this study and for what I'm sharing, we are sharing the idea of a pre-tribulation rapture. Okay, now you go, I don't believe in that. That's great. You'd be a part of our family. We love you and, and we can discuss those things and that's great and fine and dandy. But we all know that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back to get us. And so we're seeing that, okay? Jesus coming, the catching away, a transforming of our bodies into something that was going to die and get old into something brand new. A lot of people call it our spiritual bodies or our heavenly bodies. And oh my goodness, we could do a series on that and all the amazing things that God's going to do in those bodies. But we're not going to do it today. If you're interested, let me know. We can talk. There's going to there's be awesome. It's going to be so exciting. But while we have been taken away, there are going to be people that remain. And that's what we're going to talk about next. The Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation. Now, there's a lot of times there's some confusion here. What is this time? Are we in tribulation now and and how all this works for our understanding what we're talking about is a seven-year period that i believe is described in revelation eight or six through 18 
Okay? Now, here's the thing. If you go home and you go, oh, I want to know a little bit more about the tribulation. You're going to go home and you're going to say, I'm going to look at Revelation 6 through 18. Oh, boy. Get ready for some fun. There's a lot of stuff there. Okay? And there's, there's judgments and there's bowls and there's trumpets and all these things. And, and those are great things to study. Don't misunderstand me. Okay? But I want you to understand a little bit of things that are going to be going on during this time. Now, for the believers, I believe that we're going to be in heaven during this seven-year time. I believe there's a couple things that are going to take place for us. I think we're going to enjoy what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is basically, if this will just help you make sense, it's a party. It's an amazing time when we celebrate. And I also believe there's going to be some, a time of judgment for us believers. We're going to we're going to stand before God, not stand before him to see if we've made it to heaven or accepted him or got salvation. But we understand there's going to be a time where our works, the things that we've done here on earth, are going to be put into the fire. And some of the stuff's going to be burned up and some of it's going to be purified, depending on those things. So there's going to be a judgment time, I believe, during that seven years for us. And there's also going to be a party for us that you do not want to miss. It is going to be an amazing thing. But for the people that are left here things are going to get a little more interesting. And I mean that in a not a positive way. Jesus talks a little bit about it in Matthew 24, 21. In Matthew 24, that chapter, we're going to just use this real short verse. It says this. This is Jesus speaking. From then there will be a great tribulation, such as not been uh, from the beginning of the world until now. No and will never uh, and never will be. I want you to understand what Jesus is saying here. This is the God who understands the flood. And he's saying, listen, this time is we're go- you're going to, ex- there's going to be things on this earth that have never been seen before and never will be seen again. This is going to be a very, very, very bad time. Okay? And a lot of Theologians, a lot of people believe that what we see in this period is a couple of things. I'm going to try to get through them fairly quickly, but so that you understand, okay? What we see is is a man rising. The Bible calls him the, the man of sin or the Antichrist. And this individual is going to come into power. Um, and, and basically, and this is kind of where you hear some of these things, form basically a, a one-world system, a one-world government, and come and begin to kind of deceive the world. He's going to make a treaty with Israel, and there's going to be the rebuilding of the temple that's going to take place. There, for about three and a half years, things are going to be okay. I mean, there's going to be some issues, but things are going to be okay. He's going to institute a, a what we see in Scripture is called the mark of the beast. Now, we hear that term, and we hear 666, and we get a little scared. Okay, just, just hold on, okay? It, it's, it's a mark that the Bible tells us will be required for individuals to, to buy and to sell, and that this mark will be placed either in the right hand or on the forehead. Um, now, again... That can get a little weird. It can get a little scary. Um, But again, we're not going to be here. I don't believe we will be during this time. But it is going to be a difficult, scary, hard time for those that are left behind. And it's important that we kind of understand that. Now, as all this is going on, you kind of have to sometimes stop and think. Because when I was a kid, uh, and we would study this or look at this, I remember, and and look, I'm not old. They, They Really? That was laughing at that particular moment was not the right way to handle the situation. Amen would have been fine, okay? Um, But anyway, 
And so I remember, you know, growing up in, in the late 80s as a kid in the 90s and hearing, oh, there's going to be this mark and there's going to be this stuff. And, and I remember thinking, you know, one world government. And I remember thinking, no way. This is so far out there, man. I'm gonna, Jesus ain't coming back for like 300 years because this is never going to happen in my lifetime. I mean, there's no way. And then you begin to stop and you begin to realize that they already have this technology. They already have these things. You know, most of us have pets. You know, you ever taken your, you ever taken your dog to the vet? Okay, and you take your dog and you put your dog on the vet thing, you know, or whatever, or you lose your, your dog. And what do they do? They go and they find themselves a little, like a scanner that you use at, at Target. And they go to the back of the dog and they go, beep. And it all comes up. It all comes up. Now, I want you to stop and I want you to think, because sometimes we need to realize a little bit, yes, we have faith and that's important. But I also like to look at some things that, that I look at as more of a logical situation. Okay, now this is Aaron. This is how Aaron is seeing some things. But I want you to think about this. Let's go back a little bit, not on the notes, but let's go back on our timeline. Jesus comes back in the twinkling of an eye. At that moment, hopefully, billions of people vanish. Children vanish. You go, how could a one world leader? You know what? You know what we've kind of learned through all this? I'll just be honest with you. Fear is powerful. It's, it's, it's why God, listen to me, hear me on this. It's why God so many times in scripture says the same thing. Fear not. You realize that? Do you realize how many times God commands us to fear not? Fear is a powerful thing. And it can control. So I want you to imagine, you are just, you know, you're, you're sitting there and all of a sudden billions of people are gone. They're missing. You don't know where they are. You don't know what's happened to them. They're gone. Can you imagine the fear that is going to grip this world? And remember, what's just happened? Okay, what, what, what are we described as? We're described as light, aren't we? We're described as light in a dark place. Well, what happens... Hear me. What happens when the light is removed from the darkness? How much more darkness is there? How much more fear is there? And so we see this take place. We're all of a sudden gone. And people are scared. And this man rises. And he says, I can give you security. I can give you peace. What is an antichrist, folks? It's somebody that tries to act kind of like Jesus, but he's not. He's trying to bring these things. He said, hey, I'll take care of you. You don't have to be afraid. You have parents who have, some have, have, have maybe lost their children. They don't, kids have just vanished. And they say, hey, listen, listen, we want to help you so this doesn't happen again. So what you need to do is you need to get this little implant. And what we do is, we, that, that has a GPS in it. Think about it. Think about what your phone has right now. And they say, listen, just in case this ever happens again, we'll always be able to find you. We'll always be able to find your children. We'll help you. All of a sudden, you start going, man, this is, this is getting eerie, and this is starting to make a little more sense. Because we all know human nature. We're, we are human. And so we begin to see this, okay? We begin to see these things taking place. 
And, and in this time, for three and a half years, things and the peace treaty is, is going okay. And about three and a half years in, the Bible tells us that this Antichrist goes into the temple. And we see this talked about and prophesied by the prophet Daniel. Way back in the Old Testament, Jesus talks about it. And basically, this individual goes in and he declares himself God. And when that happens, literally, and I mean this Literally, the wrath of God is poured out on mankind. And it is not in any way, shape, or form pleasant. We're not going to get into it, but it is a devastating situation. Devastating. Where God begins to... And again, we can look at it. You can look at it. These things are recorded in Revelation 6 through 18. And it is a major thing. Well, here's the thing. At the very end of that time, we see scripture telling us, I believe in about um, Revelation 19, we begin to see a gathering of, of all the armies of the world. They begin to gather in a place that most of us have heard of. It's a place called Armageddon. That is an actual place. It's an actual battle, uh, or not battlefield, but actual valley that's there. And here's what's interesting about Armageddon. Um, Napoleon was once once was quoted as saying, if there was one place on earth that he knew of that was perfect for a massive, massive, massive battle, guess where he said that was? Armageddon. Isn't that interesting? He said, no, that's, that's it. That's the perfect spot. And so we see this gathering of these armies and this gathering of, this, of this, these individuals and, and all these things begin to come. And, and at that moment, in that moment, now we see the second coming of Jesus, which is an amazing thing. The second comes. So let's look at Revelation 19. Because in Revelation 19, 11 through 16, we see this. And this is what John, who's seeing all this, says. He says, Then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. It's Jesus. For he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. Okay, this is the cool. Who's the army of heaven? We are. What, what, what do you mean? Aren't those angels? Nope. How do we know? Because we see them dressed in the finest pure white linen, linen, symbolizing purity, symbolizing the fact that now we are coming back with Jesus. Okay? We follow him on white horses. Follow him. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule with them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce Wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So Jesus comes back. And here's the thing, man. Here's the thing we need to understand. Jesus comes. The first time Jesus came, he came as a baby. The first time Jesus came, we celebrate that every December, don't we? And we sing, lay in a manger. And we say, oh, what the precious little baby. And oh, he's just crying. Oh, Listen, when Jesus comes back the second time, he's coming back as a warrior. He's coming back as a conquering king. And here's the thing. You need to understand, when, when we've accepted Jesus, we're on his team. You know, we're on his team. 
And he comes back, and he is comes back in power and authority. I mean, you see that. And listen, man, you hear that, and you go, oh, my goodness, man. This is a little, can be a little intense. This is a little scary. Listen, you don't need to be scared. You don't need to be worried because you know what? We're following him. We're on the white horses, and we're going to come down, and Jesus is going to come, and he's going to begin to do some amazing things. The Bible talks about how he is going to bind Satan up. Okay, he's going to bind him up and scripture tells us that he's going to throw him in what the the Bible tells us is a bottomless pit for a thousand years. And Jesus is going to start something amazing, which we like to call the millennial reign of Christ. The millennial reign of Christ. Look at Revelation 20, verse number 6. It says this, Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. What are we doing during this time? We're ruling and reigning with Christ. One of the things I truly believe, sometimes we talk about, why am I going through this stuff? Why am I dealing with these things here on earth? I think it's, it's, it's many, many uh, onion, layers of the onion, but I think we have to understand. One of them, obviously, is so we can grow here and mature here. But I truly believe one of the reasons we are going through things now is we are being trained for what God has for us to do in the millennial reign of Christ. We're going to be here on earth, and it is, listen, it is going to be amazing. Satan is gone, he's, and we spend a thousand years ruling and reigning with Jesus. And it is amazing. At the end of this time, remember our timeline, at the end of this time, we see a couple things take place. Okay? See, a couple things take place. Uh, Satan is, is released for a time, and he tries one last failed attempt to defeat God and he's finally defeated for all eternity. The Bible says that he and his followers are thrown into the lake of fire. And then we really get into eternity. Eternity. And let's look at that as we kind of finish up a little bit with our timeline. In Revelation 21, 1 through 7. And this is cool. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will, oh, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow, crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I will make everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God and they will be my children. Man, when, 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 when Jesus says you're blessed if you look at this book, he was not kidding. Wipe away every tear. Every sorrow. No more funerals. They're gone. Forever. Let's look at Revelation 22. 
no longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and His servants will worship Him and they will see His face and His name will be written on their foreheads and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. Forever and ever. You know, this book really ends with, with John and it makes complete sense because of what he's seen and what he's experienced. Revelation really ends where John's just like, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And the more you know about this book, the more you understand what's coming, the more that can be your prayer as well. Because it is going to be amazing. It is going to be so good. Oh, Scripture even tells us it has not entered into the heart or the thought of man what God has prepared for those that love him. You know what that means? If you can dream it up, it's better than that. You can't even fathom what God has for us. What? You ever, you ever, you ever look at Scripture and they'll call it good news? You know why? Because this is really good news. This is great news. So we need to understand these things, which is awesome. So let's kind of finish this up. Let's talk about this. Let's get some application this morning. So with that in mind, how should the things to come affect how I live my life now? Okay. Now that we know a little bit more about what's coming... What do we need to do? How can we apply that and use it now? The first thing. We're going to go through these fairly quickly. The first thing. The timeline of the end times should lead us to hope. To hope. No matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter how good or bad life may be in this moment, we win. We encourage each other with these words. You know what that means? That means cancer doesn't have the last word. That means financial issues or those types of problems or whatever it may be. It doesn't have the last word. Death does not have the last word. And so we can have hope. We can stand in front of a casket with a believer and know, you know what? This is not the end. I will see him or her again. And there is hope in that. There is hope in that. And we need to live as people of hope. Because you know what I found? The world has no hope. The world has no hope. But we, as followers of Jesus, have a hope. A blessed hope. Number two. The timeline of end times should help us see the temporary versus the eternal. The temporary versus the eternal. Listen. All the stuff that you care so much about getting. And I'm not, I'm not saying stuff's bad, okay? But all that stuff, it, it's not going to be around. Okay? We, we get so worried about things that are temporal and we miss things that are eternal. And we need to get our eyes sometimes off of the temporal and onto the eternal. Okay? We need to remember that. Number three, the timeline of the end times should challenge us to play to win the game. Play to win. Play to win. Because you know what? This is an important game. This matters. We need to understand that you know what? L listen. 
Listen, this stuff is coming. This stuff is coming, and we need to understand it and need to make sure that we do everything we can to make sure as many people are on our team or on Jesus' team, excuse me, as possible. We need to live that way. We need to not be afraid. We need to be able to look at people and say, hey, listen, this is happening. This is coming. You can have hope. You don't have to be in, live in fear. You don't have to live going, well, well, what about this or what about that? We have a blessed hope. We have good news. But listen, it is tar- it's time for us to begin to share that with people. I saw a... a um, poll or survey recently, maybe you saw it, where they talked about how in this country, 62%, I believe, of people are afraid to share how they feel politically. And that's a whole other story. But, 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 but and, and I say this to be something I believe, like, I, I believe God wants to convict us of and help us to change in. But I would dare say, if we were honest, that number, when it came to sharing Christ with people, would be much, much higher. And I'm sorry, we have something that is much more important than a political system and a president. I'm sorry. We have eternity. Forever and ever and ever. And we need to understand that. It's time for us to play to win the game. The last thing is the worship team wants to come back up. We're going to close. The timeline of the end time should remind us that what we are doing now affects our forever. What we're doing now affects our forever. You know, when I was a kid, I, I grew up in the church, and the time that I grew up and, and I'm, I'm not trying to throw rocks at anybody. I'm just kind of being honest with what I saw. When it came to Revelation and it came to Jesus coming back and it came to all these things, there was a lot of fear that was, was shown to people. It was, it was kind of this thing. I remember almost the thought, well, Jesus was coming back today and nobody's going. And, and, I, and I really grew up in a lot of ways, and some of it was my own misunderstanding, um, with a sense of fear of what was coming. And I wanted to do these things because I was afraid I wouldn't go to heaven. I remember, you know, hearing things, and I think we've all always seen, oh, Jesus is coming back here, or Jesus is coming back then. And, and here's the thing. Yep, Jesus is coming back. And we need to live in a way that communicates he could come back today. Here's, here's the awesome thing. Here's the awesome truth. I'm going to be hopefully finished here in a few minutes. And Jesus could come and get us before I'm done. Now, wouldn't that be awesome? We don't know. We don't know. But we need to understand, for whatever time we have until that happens, whether it's pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath, all those fancy words, whatever time we have, it's going to... It's literally, literally going to affect our and other people's eternity. Remember when I was a kid, having somebody try to explain to me eternity, how long that was. And eternity really is kind of a, almost an ungraspable uh, understanding. And they said this, they said, imagine a seagull. 
and imagine the, the coast of, of America, just the coast of America. Let's just do that. And on, on one side, you have the Atlantic Beach. On the other side, you have the Pacific Beach. And imagine there's a seagull who reaches down and he picks up one grain of sand and flies cross-country to the Pacific side and drops that one grain of sand, then picks up one from the Pacific side and flies it back. Imagine the time it would take for one seagull to transfer one beach to the other. That's one second in eternity. The amount of time that would take. And I'll be honest, when I heard that as a kid, it scared me half to death. And I don't tell you that to scare you. I tell you that to help us understand, hey, listen, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And it's time to get busy. Now that you know. And here's the thing. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I do know this. We're closer today than we were yesterday. And we need to understand what we're doing now. The time we're investing in lives and in people and in souls now are going to come back through eternity. And we need to get that. Now, I'm not saying we need to stand up on the street corner holding the sign. I believe very strongly that God has placed people in your heart and in your life that don't know him, that need to know him. He's placed you there to be an instrument in his hands. Aaron, I don't know what to say. God will put words in your mouth. Aaron, I don't know what to do. That's easy. Follow the unchanged rhythms of grace that we see in our Jesus. Love him. Be there for him. Show him who Jesus is because of the way you live your life. Help them understand that, you know what? This stuff's coming. And we need to be ready. So this is more than just an understanding this morning of a timeline. This is understanding that timeline is coming. And we need to change, a lot of us need to change how we're living our lives today to be ready. And I'm not talking about being ready the rapture. I'm talking about getting as many people to go with us when that takes place. So here's what I'd like to do. I want to, let's just all close our eyes. Let's focus for a minute. And I want to pray over you and for you that God would use you in a new way. That you would understand these things, be blessed by them, but also be used by God in ways you never dreamed to bring as many people with us as possible. So let's pray. Father, I come to you right now. And God, first, before I get ahead of myself, God, if there is anyone here this morning who as they were hearing these things, man, I, that seemed a lot, that was a little scary. I mean, there, Mark of the Beast and Jesus with a sword and, and, and fire and all. And it can't be scary. But God, it doesn't have to be scary for the believer because we win. But there may be people here this morning that quite honestly, they've never accepted you. They, 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 they aren't ready. And God, they can become ready this morning. It's not hard. It's not doing the hokey pokey. It's simply believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. 
What's that mean in, in, in understanding terms? It means that we understand that we've messed up, that we need a savior because of our sin, the things that we've done that haven't met up to God's standard. And, and because of that, we've been separated from you, God. And by accepting this free gift, by accepting and understanding that we need forgiveness, that we can have that forgiveness because Jesus came and he offered himself for us. He paid the price for our sin. And because he's paid the price, we can accept the free gift of grace and the free gift of salvation, meaning we can be with you forever and ever and ever. But we've got to accept that. We've got to believe that. And so, Father, if there's anyone here that says, I want to do that right now, Father, I pray that you would help them in this moment to begin to pray that prayer. It's not about praying special words. It's about knowing in your heart and asking God to come in, to be the Lord of your life, that you accept his forgiveness, love, and grace. And the Bible teaches us that when we do that, the old things have passed away and behold, all things are new. We have been in that moment adopted into the family of Jesus, the family of God. We're one of God's kids. So God, if there's anyone that hasn't, let that be taking place right now. Draw them to yourself, Jesus. Draw them to yourself. You love them. You care for them. No matter what they've done in the past, you will forgive them. You love them so much. And God, for all of us that have accepted that, God, help us in this moment and in this time to begin living our lives in the light of eternity. Help us begin to understand, you know what? We got some good news and it's time to share it. We have a hope that is great and a peace that is offered to us by God that it is time right now for us to begin to live as the light and to be light. No more putting our light under a basket, but instead opening it up and letting it illuminate the room. Because God, eternity's coming. These things will take place. Even said in our scripture, these things are trustworthy and true. They're coming. And we need to live our life with that understanding. So Father, I pray right now through your Holy Spirit, you would begin to reveal people. You would begin to reveal situations or places or circumstances where you want us to once again be the church and be your disciple and be the light and be a missionary and go out and begin to proclaim your love, grace, and mercy to each one. And so, Father, I pray that you would commission us again that you would bring us a boldness and a strength that is literally supernatural. You would put the words in our mouth. You would help us to listen to what you're saying. And we would offer this amazing gift of you to everyone that you've placed in our path. Change us, Father. Change us, God. Let us take what this book says and apply it to our lives because eternity is coming. Eternity is coming. We love you. We thank you.